Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to episode 13 of Kaio Cinema, wherein Adam and I are watching all of the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and eventually Dragon Ball Super movies in their release date order, including all the live action ones, which we are blissfully taking a very long break from for a little while. Yeah, but they were a lot of fun. Like, I wouldn't want to watch them all the time, but if you're a Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z fan, you should check them out. They're a blast. Well, I'm thinking the next one is Dragon Ball Evolutions. Am I wrong? I think you may be right, and I don't remember that one. I, you know, I saw it in theaters, and I remember not liking it, but that's all I remember. I don't remember anything else about it. Right. I'm just hope. I think that that's the next live one. I remember strongly disliking it. The more movies that we can have between now and then, the better, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's a pretty strong hate for that one. <laughs> it is. I mean, and maybe it's unfair, but... What little I can recall of that movie, I really didn't like. Uh, but this is, like I said, episode 13. And coincidentally, we're going to be covering Dragon Ball Z colon Super Android 13. And that is totally by coincidence, not by design, because it's just how these things fell, because we've, we've covered some OVAs and gone off the beaten path as far as movies are concerned. And yet here we are, 13 during 13. We literally realized this like three minutes ago, so that's how unplanned it was. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, but we are, uh, we're, we're going to cover this movie in excruciating detail. If you're new to the Kyo Cinema format, then you should know that this is a spoilery kind of podcast. We do encourage you to watch all the movies and then come and listen to our breakdowns and discussions. But before we get into Dragon Ball Z colon Super Android 13, we want to talk to you a little bit about our other podcast, our first podcast, which is the Almighty Podcast. Yeah, the Almighty Podcast where we cover My Hero Academia. And currently we're actually reading through My Hero Academia Vigilantes because the anime is off season or on a break. Uh, we know a new season is down probably are coming out here in a couple months, I guess, about eight, nine months. Uh, but in the meantime, we're, like I said, we're reading Vigilantes, we're making our way through that, we're nearly done, and it has been incredible. Uh, but we're actually almost at episode 100 of Almighty Podcast, which is awesome. So we're doing a little bit of a uh, interesting episode. We're going to have some trivia, we're going to do some quirk discussion, and just kind of have an open maybe Q&A a bit. Uh, so regardless, if you are interested in participating in episode 100, if you have a quirk name that you want us to describe, or if you have some trivia questions that you'd like to submit, there should be a link in the description of this episode and all of our most recent Almighty Podcast episodes, uh, basically to a Google Forms sheet that you can kind of fill out some of those questions. That'll get it to us, and then uh, hopefully it'll make a really awesome episode. Yes, we are wanting episode 100 to be radically different than what we typically do, um, emphasizing as much as we can and encouraging and facilitating as much as we can your participation and involvement in kind of shaping uh, of that particular episode. It is a big milestone for us. We got there maybe a little slower than other pods because we went from weekly to bi-weekly, but we got there nonetheless. All right, Atkins, what do you say we jump right into Super Android 13? Why don't you tell us when did this get released? It came out July 11th, 1992 in Japan. I am only six days older than this movie. Really? Yes. Didn't we recently cover one that like we discovered it came out on my birthday? I think one of them did. I feel like one of them did too, yeah, but I don't remember which one it was. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the year 
uh, of my birth, but it was on the day of my birth. I can't remember either. I should pay more attention. But let's talk about where this thing falls in the timeline. Uh, now, according to the wikis that we uh, scrub through uh, to prepare for these podcasts, it suggests that it is after Jiro is killed, which the opening scene before the title confirms, after Goku recovers from the heart virus, but before all the time chamber shenanigans that the Saiyans in particular get into before when they would have fought Cell. Now, usually, Adam, you bring uh, some alternative takes on the timeline to the table. So do you have anything special for Super Android 13? Not particularly. In fact, I didn't really have to because Daisenshu uh, issue six actually states that this movie takes place in a completely another dimension. Along with, um, I believe it was uh, the two Dragon Ball movies. There's, oh my gosh. Curse of the Blood Rupees and Mystical Adventure. And Mystical Adventure, yes. But this is the only Dragon Ball Z film that has actually been confirmed as being in a separate dimension. Uh, So in my mind, I I like to think that maybe in this realm or this dimension, Super Android 13, it was either a precursor to Cell in the sense that Jiro was testing this technology he eventually wanted to make, or he just used Super Android 13 entirely instead of Cell. Like he never actually went down the organic path, which I think kind of makes sense. I mean, uh, you know, it seems like he has a thing for androids, so... A thing for androids. Yes, we, we don't kink shame on this podcast, though. You should know by <laughs> no, now. No, not at all. Not at all. I will say, too, um, I mean, the alternate dimension thing is awfully convenient. But at the same time, they probably should have just confirmed that for all of these movies. That would make them all make way more sense than we than they do on the tin. Like, as you watch them, if you're trying to force them into the actual anime or manga canon, Uh, So it would have been nice to just have like, you know, at the beginning of some movies where it's like based on a true story or whatever the case is, they just precede all of these movies with this takes place in an alternative timeline, dimension, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's non-canon. Move along. But enjoy the movie, you know. Well, then we wouldn't get to have my fun discussions, though. So I'm fine with this. (laughs) I think we could. We just we would feel like we had a little bit more flexibility where we are we're not trying to force square pegs into round holes as hard as we typically do when we talk about where these things are supposed to fall. I did read a really fun fan theory online that talked about how in this movie they must have actually deactivated uh, 17 and 18 because Krillin at the very beginning is with uh, the Roshi and Trunks and everybody and they're like waiting for this like bikini contest or, you know, world's most beautiful woman contest. And that would be them making it up to Krillin that, you know, they had to deactivate his his huge crush. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. I'm like, I like that. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Although the Japanese for that particular scene is radically different than the English. But yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, no we'll get there. Did you watch it in Japanese this time? You did? Yeah, I did. It was the first time I watched it around was in Japanese. So it's been like two weeks, but it was the okay. first time that I, uh, or the, the first way that I watched it. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, before we get into the plot itself, let me quickly run down new cast members. Um, In addition to the bad guys, we also have Trunks. Um, Trunks, a beloved and even fan favorite character of the anime and the manga, um, is still beloved by all of the fans, even though his hair color has changed and that's a whole thing. But uh, Trunks is voiced by Eric Vale um, and has only really ever been like the teen and older Trunks has only ever been voiced by Eric Vale. I did not know this, though. Do you know who Eric Vale voices in My Hero? No, I, I don't. Tomura Shigaraki. What? I had no idea. That's nuts. I Yeah, I would have had no idea. That's crazy. So that's cool because you have Tomura Shigaraki being voiced by Eric Vale, who is the voice of Trunks. And then All Might, 
is Chris voiced Sabat. yeah by christopher sabat um who That's is vegeta nuts. so yeah <laughs> pretty cool <laughs> that is cool yeah then Jeez, man, for what I feel like the voice acting world is a small world, you know? It Man, it really does. A lot of these guys did voice work for Borderlands 2, I want to say. There's a lot of crossover. One Piece, oh, wow. a bunch of them are on One Piece. Yeah. Um, so uh, for the villains in this movie, you've got Androids 13, 14, and 15. Uh, 13 is uh, voiced by Chuck Huber, um, who we've talked about before. Voices 17, Super 17, um, obviously Android 13 and Super 13, but also Pilaf, Kipito, and Garlic Jr. So we've had him in movies prior to this one. Uh, Android 14, 14 is Chris Rager, who has played Shugesh uh, in the Bardock stuff. Mr. Oh, yeah, Satan. Shugesh. Um, Cementos from My Hero, uh, Major Metalotron in the Dragon Ball stuff. Uh, and then we also have 15, who is voiced by Josh Martin, uh, who typically voices Majin Buu or Kid Buu and Kid Buu, not or. Uh, and then briefly, you have Dr. Jero on screen, and he does have a couple lines. He's voiced by Kent Williams, who is Mr. Compress, we've talked about before. Also, uh, Jero, Tao, um, a couple of different Kais, and we will see him in movies yet to come because he voices Janimba. Oh, that's really cool. Well, I found a bit of trivia for you as far as voice actors go. Apparently, Philip Wilburn had auditioned for Android 13, won the part, but then had like a move or something that caused them to bring in Chuck Huber at the last minute. However, it wasn't so last minute that they cut him out of the credits. Philip Wilburn is still listed as the credit for Android 13. Now, do you know who that person is? Because I do not. I don't, but I thought that was an interesting thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I thought you were saying that it was interesting because this was somebody that you knew, and <laughs> you were just like, nope, they've, it's just they forgot to change the names in the credits. They just forgot to change the name of the credits. I thought that was funny. Okay, interesting. Well, let's jump into the plot here. <laughs> uh, before the title actually hits the screen, we are given a little bit of a prologue that, again, sets the stage for where this could have taken place, uh, which is uh, 17's killing of Android 20. Uh, also known as Dr. Giroux. And it's very interesting here. This is something we'll talk about um, a little bit later on. But Dr. Giroux says, I gave you both life to 17 and 18, who definitely and canonically were humans at one point. So they were more like cyborgs than androids, but androids, I guess, had a better ring to it and fit the, you know, the the number scheme uh, that Red dimension. Ribbon went by. Huh? That's what it is. It's this separate yeah, dimension. I, I, yeah, that could be true. I guess that explains it all away. But canonically, uh, in at least in the main series, 17 and 18 were human beings, siblings, I believe, uh, and their, their names were Lapis and Lazuli. Uh, and so they were human and given robotic parts. And then there are other androids that were only ever robots, like 19. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about like all the list of androids at the very end of the episode. Don't want to bore you with it here. Yeah, well, right after we see 17 killing off Jero, the narrator comes in and explains that, like, deep in the caverns under Jero's labs, there's a supercomputer that's working to actually fulfill the dreams of Dr. Jero itself. And it's, I think you're supposed to insinuate here that this is like an AI that Jero built to basically be him. Like, he could have just uploaded his brain to this computer, which I guess makes sense because he had to have done that when he turned himself into an android somehow. Uh, but apparently this thing is already making indestructible androids that are going to try to, you know, get his revenge on Goku. What I thought was weird, though, is that it, like, shows these pods, and if these androids are 13, 14, and 15, then Jiro would have already have made them, not this computer. But I feel like what they should have said was that they're he's just releasing, or this, this computer was just releasing the broken androids. So it felt, it felt like that was kind of weird there. 
Yeah, the Android numbering is really strange after a point. And uh, like you would think that the higher the number, the stronger or more advanced, but that is not the case at all. Um, and we'll, again, we'll kind of cover that ground at the end. I said earlier, I said, I don't want to bore you with it now, as if to imply I'll bore you with it later. And if that's how you <laughs> heard it, then just buckle your seatbelts, because I will bore you with it later if you think it will be boring. Um, it, it's interesting, too, because in the English here, it says that um, it's been diligently working on creating the ultimate indestructible android killing machine. And I was like, is this an Android killing machine or is it an Android killing machine? Uh, yeah, there was the commas like, <laughs> super important here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or hyphen. I think Android killing would be hyphenated if it was a machine. What killed androids? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I love, too, the fact that like we get this intro. And for the most part, uh, up until now, the intro has been the complete same. But they actually subbed out a couple of the scenes for scenes with Vegeta and Trunks in this intro, which I thought was kind of cool. Yes, man. Uh, we get what does Krillin call it? The tri- the Super Saiyan trifecta, or something like that, in this yeah, particular he, movie. It's super goofy. It's something like that. It is, but the visuals are dope, and you know, like more Super Saiyans is generally good. I mean, I guess it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I read this, online that this movie uh, makes it great. I read online somewhere that this was basically a movie just to get three Super Saiyans and one toy package. And that was kind of true because Saban had a toy that came out that was like all three of them in Saiyan form. And it's apparently the most coveted Dragon Ball toy of all time. Like this set sells on eBay for hundreds of dollars, which I thought was really crazy. That is pretty nuts. Although I will say I bought, I was at, uh, t- this is totally tangential, but it, it's in my brain. So now I've got to get it out. I was just casually walking around Walmart last week and I, saw for the first time in the wild like i know that you can always buy these things on the internet but i saw the uh first ninja turtles movie NECA like double pack of shredder and splinter and i don't really care for the splinter but that shredder is dope and when i saw it i was like okay if it has the cool ass cape i'm buying this shredder and it had the cool ass cape so (laughs) i've got it like like NECA makes great figures um but they are pricey but i was just like you know what i can't not have this shredder because that cape is so cool and it's one of my favorite forms of shredder anyway Oh, yeah, yeah, movie Shredder. from You're talking about the first live-action movie? Yeah, dude. Oh, man, yeah, that one's awesome. So good, so good. So we we pick back up with this movie, and we're in a city. There are crowds bustling about. Uh, we catch up with Oolong, Krillin, Roshi, and Trunks as they're standing in line for the world's most beautiful girl competition. And it's silly. That, I mean, it's there's a lot of uh, humor in, in this particular scene in both English and Japanese. Like, you have bikini-clad girls flashing across... Roshi's glasses and he's saying Miss Spain, Miss Russia, Miss France all prancing around in their underpants and uh, Oolong says Australia won't fail you and in the (laughs) Japanese it's way more graphic because they're both talking about uh, getting Pafu Pafu from the Peachy Peachy Girls which is language you know almost exclusively inherent to uh, Roshi in this series yeah and Krillin is here like telling him to cut it out like you know they're more respectable than that but he says he's here for noble reasons, at least in the English version. He's talking about wanting to wife hunt here. And uh, he says, we martial artists like chick magnets. We stand here and the women just come to us. And Roshi's like, all right, well, then stay here because we're going to go peek in the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, and in the Japanese, Krillin is the one that suggests that. Right, yeah. And Krillin it does end up going with them in the English version, too. He joins them and he's just like, hey, Trunks, will you save our spot in line? And it's great because there's no one in line. It's just them. 
And they had apparently been there for hours and still had three more hours to go. I think it's implied or maybe even explicitly stated that they spent like six hours waiting in line before they yeah. realized that the competition was the next day. So they were a day early. <laughs> yeah. That's, gosh, that, that totally makes sense for them, too. I can see them just not like getting too distracted by the idea that there would be women there. I don't know why Trunks hung around, though. Like, I get that maybe he didn't want to be hanging around with Goku and Chi-Chi, but... Like, why why stand there for hours, I guess? He does make a mention about how, like, shopping couldn't have been any worse. But I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, teenage trunks totally would go try to see some kind of a contest like this. Yeah, I guess teenage teenage boy from the future where there's no women. Come on, man. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. fair enough. (laughs) That's good. Good point. Good point. Well, we transition over to see Goku and Gohan, who are holding all of Chi Chi's items that she's purchased. And they're like stacked to the roof. It's great. And in the background, we can see Chi-Chi wrestling, or I say wrestling, it's like they're all fighting. All these women are fighting over this sales table. And it's so weird here, because Goku says that it reminds him of the mud wrestling that he's apparently shown Gohan. Right. What are these? What? Okay. (laughs) I just have, is this age appropriate? This mud wrestling that Goku's showing to his, like, not quite teenage son? Yeah, it cracked me up. Uh, but apparently Chi-Chi wants to get uh, Goku a whole new set of clothes because he only has like, one pair and he wears them every single day. Which makes me wonder, where does he get his clothing? Like, do you think it's like, it's got to be custom? Or do you think he just has Piccolo manifest his clothing and that's, yeah, he has one outfit? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're if you're bros with Piccolo, why aren't you using his clothes beam attack? Because it's it's free. Like, I guess it costs him a little bit of key. Yeah, but he just restores that. Man, that's, I hadn't considered that until just now. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'd also like to note that I don't think Chi-Chi was actually fighting with these women because, like, Chi-Chi is scrappy and, and like, canonically strong. Like, if she really oh, yeah. wanted whatever was in that bin, she could totally whoop all of their butts and take what she wanted. Oh, um, definitely. But I, I do kind of think that she enjoys that that kind of chaos around shopping, I think, is is how I explain that in my own head. Uh, and it's funny, too, because once she gets what she wants, she throws it up in the air uh, at Goku, who, like... um Toby Maguire, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man catches all of the boxes, you know? <laughs> yeah, the boxes of pizza, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we have the entrance of uh, 14 and 15 onto the screen. So uh, 14 is tall, muscular. He's kind of got this gray-blue skin and a long black ponytail, and he's walking around uh, basically with... He doesn't have a shirt on. He's got, like, some green shorts on or green pants or something like that. And then 15 is short, purple-skinned, has a giant red ribbon bow tie and an even gianter green circular hat with a big orange pom-pom on top. Uh, and also is wearing this like yellow orange trench coat uh, and also sunglasses. And we thought that it would be kind of fun as we moved uh, through the introductions of these androids to cast them. This is a, uh, a practice that we had kind of brought over from the AMP. Of the early days of the AMP, we cast everybody that we saw for the first time. So we thought that it would be fun to do that for 13, 14, and 15. So do you have castings for 14 and 15 ready to go? Yes, I sure do. Uh, and fun fact, according to some of the sources I saw online, when Akira Toriyama originally drew out these two characters, he had the name swapped. So 14 was actually 15, and then 15 was actually 14 on his pieces of paper. For whatever reason, the animators switched their names, hmm. which I thought was really crazy. I don't know why they would have done that. No telling. So for 14, I have got the big show. I feel like like he'd have to muscle up a bit, but that totally makes sense. Okay, just and- for sheer size. 
Yeah, pretty much for sheer size. That's kind of what, in that mean face. Like he had that real square mean face, I thought. And it just reminded me of the yeah. big show. Okay. And then for 15, obviously it would be a voice actor. Uh, so I went with Lance Reddick, who you may know. I mean, he, he's done a lot of video games and he's been in a lot of movies too. Uh, but he did Zavala from Destiny. Uh, he's in a bunch of the Re- Resident Evil stuff. So uh, he was in John Wick Chapter 4. I don't know if you uh, remember him from that movie or not. Nope. Um, I And I cast like a human for that role. I understand that, like I was torn on how I would cast 15 because you almost, because he's so diminutive in stature, you're almost tempted to cast a short person, you know, right. like a small yeah. person. Yeah. Um, I didn't do that, but... For I I have like a silly casting that would just be kind of funny um, for 14 and 15, which would be uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as 14 and Kevin Hart as 15. Uh, (laughs) Hannah said Kevin Hart for 15, too, as a joke. Oh, did she? Yeah. So, I mean, they've been in movies where their their big jokes are their their differences in size. And like in real life, they're constantly ribbing each other about their differences in sizes. So that would be kind of that would be kind of fun. Um, But more seriously, for 14, I have Dalip Singh, um, who you might not know unless you were like following wrestling a long time ago. But if you've seen the uh, Adam Sandler Longest Yard, did you ever see that? Yeah. Okay, so this um, I can't remember the guy's character's name in that movie, but he's the giant dude who plays ping pong and it's just monstrously massive. Oh, yeah. Um, He used to be a pro wrestler at some point. Yeah, yeah. I was, I'm looking at this picture with him and Vince McMahon. This guy okay, is so huge. Yeah, he's holy cow. seven foot one. Um, so I feel like he would be. That's that's tall enough where you're you're starting to get into 14's range. And then for 15, I would cast a guy named Newt Lay, um, who is I only know him from this. Um, but in the new HBO series Peacemaker, he he plays the little green like kung fu master guy, um, and is pretty short. He's only five foot six. Um, so you would get a significant height difference in them. Not as significant as is shown in the movies where or in this movie where 15 only comes up to 14's knee. Um, but both of them have practice in fighting of different kinds, and uh, you do get that drastic difference drastic enough difference in size and uh so that's that that's my 14 15 dollop sing and uh newt lay speaking of wrestlers the great kali would have been an awesome 14 i don't know if you remember him is that not dollop sing i think that's what his wrestling name was is that oh okay 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 for some reason yeah. i was looking up pictures and he okay yeah i guess that makes sense i think that's him yeah that is him yep yep the great kali was his wrestler's name see i mean i was we're, we're on the there same you page go. <laughs> so these guys are walking steadily towards their target, Goku, um, and they're just straight line walking. I mean, through everything, including oh, vehicles. Awesome. It is yeah. really cool. 14, 14 shreds a-, a bus like butter. Yeah, he does. And and he even like plasma cutters a police car in Twain, like plasma cutters from like uh, the, the Dead Space series. Oh, um, yeah. Is that that weapon? And he t- he like does this vertical plasma cutter and splits it in half. Um, but yeah, then they just casually walk through fire and in a bus uh, like like it's no big deal. Uh, we catch back up with the Z fighters. Turns out the pageant is the next day. So they waited six hours for nothing. Uh, Androids continuing to straight line it towards Goku. It's there's this silly scene where like 15 walks past a wall of TVs and mean bugs into it. And then as 14s walking by them, they all start blowing up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they they get to an elevator. Because Goku is dining on like the top floor of this this mall, this like giant mall building, uh, and they open, they force open the doors, fly up through the floor of the elevator that people are in, pom pom first from fifteen, which I thought was a, a silly visual, um, 
And then they they still don't get off on the right floor, which I, that was such a silly detail. Uh, so like they just get off whenever the elevator stops next and they're below where Goku and Gohan and everybody else are sitting. But it, that was just a silly thing. And it's indeterminate how many floors, too. They could have been like 10 floors or 15 floors. Like you're not really sure. But we switch over to Goku who's shoveling food into his face and Chi-Chi's making fun of him about, you know, like, hey, if you keep eating this way and you stop working out, you're going to get huge. And uh, Goku's asking for free refills, and then all of a sudden the room starts shaking, and Trunks says this funny line like, have I had too much coffee, or is the room shaking? And then the androids blow up the building. I love, too, that part of this, the conversation between Chi-Chi and Gohan and Goku is different in the English and Japanese. In the English, Chi-Chi tells Goku he's going to get fat, like you had said, if he ever stops training. But in the Japanese, she's explaining to Gohan that all of this food that he's eating will possibly mess with the blood flow to his brain and interfere with his studies. And then when Goku asks for another plate, Chi-Chi nudges Gohan as if to say, see, see, (laughs) (laughs) like your father is a dumbass. Um, Where in the English, when she nudges Gohan, Gohan sees it as his place to like tell his dad to have some manners or something like that. The Japanese is way better there. He's like screaming for the waiter to bring more food. Right, right. And then there's some strange dialogue from 14 and 15 where in the English, as they're creating this beam to blow up the floors above them, uh, 15, it's very pun heavy, which means I automatically dislike it. Um, 15 says it's time for the last course. And then 14 says, let's serve it up good. Um, But in the Japanese, all they do is say Son Goku. In fact, the dubbed version of the film adds in so much dialogue for 13 14 and 15 that just oh, yeah. wasn't there in the japanese um they, they pretty much th- exclusively say just like son goku don't they yeah and trunks they just say son goku and one of them says trunks i think uh later on but yeah uh, they both have several lines throughout this movie in 13 in the japanese once he uh absorbs uh 14 and 15's components says nothing like he doesn't have a spoken line i'm pretty sure uh and he's just a chatty kathy in the in the english version so it's it's kind of silly yeah honestly i think i had tweeted earlier this week that cooler had the best lines in the series so far but english 13 just kicks that out of the water man or blows it out of the water like he's got i think his lines are hilarious yeah they're funny i don't know that they're better like i think coolers were way more menacing if that makes sense. But 13, I mean, they're good lines, solid lines. I mean, they, be, they beat the crap out of time for the last course. Let's serve it up good. That, that much is for sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, back over to this fight. So the building has been blown up. Goku has flown a whole bunch of people outside. He's, I, I'm hoping that he's saved mostly everybody. Gohan's got a bunch of folks. So does Krillin. And Goku has 27. I counted. Did you count <laughs> them? I did. Oh, man, <laughs> we need to know, like, who has, in pictures of All Might carrying, uh, people like that and goku carrying people like that who's carried the most yeah goku had 27 i i stopped and counted twice which is insane i mean he easily had double what any of anybody else did i mean goku or gohan rather only had chi chi so he had one but trunks and krillin both had maybe six or ten a piece maybe well goku tells krillin and trunks to go save people he tells gohan to get out of there with chi chi and then he flies off to distract the androids he realizes pretty quickly on that they're red ribbon androids. Uh, he can't like sense their energy, but I guess they were sending key blasts out at him that he did detect. And once they get up close to him, he's like, oh, yeah, red ribbon androids. Like, OK, you're back. Of course, they start fighting off. And like, it's weird because Goku doesn't immediately. I don't know. I feel like 
because he is who he is, he I figured he would just immediately power up and try to get this over with to save as many people as he could. But no, it's Goku. He leads them all over the city and like wrecks buildings because why not? Trunks has to get up there and be like, hey, maybe we should take this elsewhere. Which yeah. I feel like is really different than Goku's motive most of the time. Because most of the time, especially in the show, he's like, hey, how about we get out of here? Let's go to another city. He, he yep. literally did that with 19 and 20. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's very non-Goku for him to keep it in a populated urban area, regardless of the threat level, really. He just wants to take things out out of the you know immediate impact of, of regular human beings, or in his case, human beings at all, because he's not a human being. Right. <laughs> I will say, though, when he like leads them away, there's this really cool scene where he doesn't fly. He like instant transportation jumps and it's not the normal sound. It's like this new jumping sound. And I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, they so the, the androids are doing all these sorts of scans on Goku before they launch this coordinated attack. This is before Trunks says, let's get out of the city. And I just have in my notes that they either work really well together or Goku constantly keeps forgetting that there's two of them because he. <laughs> Like there are times where he's like battling with 14 and then he manages to create some distance and then 15 is just floating behind him and gets in free shots because Goku's like, oh, yeah, another one. And then it happens again a little bit later on. I'm like, dude, either these guys are super coordinated and there's arguments to be made for that case based on the way that uh, they they are explained, especially in the Japanese. Um, But I was just like, dude, there's two. Pay attention. There's two. And he, he constantly seems to be too focused on one. I do think that maybe it has to do with the fact that uh, it's possible he's just become too reliant on uh, being able to sense key in battle. And so that's why he keeps kind of losing track of one or the other. Like he, you know, like forever since he was been able to sense key, they rely upon that sense as they fight. Um, And so in the androids, uh, I think unless they're using a beam of some kind, when that energy leaves their body, I think he's able to sense it possibly um, but they, they don't do that. that. It's just hand to hand here. Right. I think the real reason is Chi Chi was right. All that food went to his head. <laughs> it could be true. <laughs> uh, so as they're leaving, Gohan tells Krillin that they've got to go help. And uh, Krillin says, we will last two seconds against guys like that. Um, and, and this is great because Gohan just wants to be helpful. He, he's like, we don't have to be the people that win. We just got to go and help. Um, and... Chi-Chi intervenes, saying that tomorrow is the first day of summer school, and Gohan, in both the English and the Japanese, pops off on his mom, because he's like, what's more important, mom, my studying or the life of your husband? And then he team storms out of there. I mean, it was great yeah. that that line had power, and it was in both versions, which I really liked. Um, and then Krillin ends up getting whooped by Chi-Chi into going, uh, I, I assume, to protect Gohan. And as he's flying off, Krillin is like, yeah, I'm destined to die all alone. Which I thought was so funny. Yeah, we get a quick scene of the computer, uh, computer Jero, uh, announcing that number 13 is complete, and he kind of exits the pod and immediately says Goku's name, and uh, then we catch back up with Trunks, Goku, 14, and 15. Yeah, and of course they are going to warn the androids, like, hey, you don't know who you're messing with, let's not get into this, this is your time to give it up. But it's pretty neat, because I think it's 15 that scans Trunks, and is like, we know who you are, you're Trunks. And then he literally kicks Trunks, and he just bounces off this like Arctic crevice. Like it's crazy. Uh, and then both 14 and 15 just start kicking the absolute crap out of Goku. Like at times it feels like Goku's not even trying in this fight. Uh, but what's even kind of crazier to me is the fact that no one seems to be affected by the cold. Like 
Right. I feel like Goku and Trunks should have at least been a little frosty, but it makes more sense that the androids would have had a harder time because they're literally gears and mechanics and like computer parts that don't do well in the cold typically. I remember it when we were covering World's Strongest that like they made a big point of Goku saying and showing that he was cold. He even had some line where he was basically like, I don't know that I'm having a hard time like raising my key because it's so cold. But by the end of that movie, people are out there in shorts and no shirt, and nobody seems to be mindful of the cold at all. And, like, yeah, nobody's paying attention to how cold it is here. Not at all. Maybe they've learned how to use their key to, like, warm themselves or something. themselves, yeah. They, they learned crazy. from their first Arctic experience, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did like, too, in the Japanese, when uh, Trunks is talking to the two of them, he says, I won't let you lay a finger on Goku. And then without saying a word, 15 just immediately bodies trunks. (laughs) (laughs) That exchange was so comedically well-timed, even though I don't think it was supposed to be really comedic. I think it was supposed to be threatening. But just that statement with the fact that immediately 15 just wrecks trunk into a glacier was was pretty funny to me. Well, 13 appears on the scene. And it's funny because he's just like, wow, I can't believe Goku's taking a whooping from y'all. Like he's he's very animated from the get go. Um, and he explains that the computer made them, not necessarily Jiro himself. And, you know, Jiro's computer still wants him dead. And in this version or in the dub version, 13 says, I was programmed to kill your ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to do here. Yeah. He's very country, southern. Um, so he is a uh, like a, a Caucasian male with gray hair, long green pants, a red ribbon vest, a trucker hat that also says red ribbon, just in case you didn't know, weren't aware, uh, didn't see the vest. Um, and he has this deep kind of country, almost Louisiana styled accent. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I have in my notes that he kind of sounded like Leatherhead from the TMNT old cartoon, only slightly less caricatured. Uh, and I'd even found somewhere online that said that all th- Three of these androids are kind of caricatures. 13 of a redneck, uh, which Trunk actually calls him in the English. Uh, 14 of a Native American, and then 15 of a pimp. Um, Let's talk about 13's casting. Who did you cast as Android 13? I feel like the only person that could portray Android 13 appropriately is Michael Rooker, who was Yondu uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy. He was Merle Dixon in The Walking Dead. He's been in a billion other things, but those are two things people really recognize him from. Yeah, God, that's an interesting casting. I mean, he's yeah. older, and I, I kind of took, I kind of took Android 13's look as, I mean, he's like in his 30s or he's middle aged, but has that like platinum blonde hair dye. You sure. Know? Not that he was super old. I'm thinking Merle Dixon specifically from the Suicide Squad movie that came out like what seven eight months ago because yeah. he plays, um, he plays uh, is it Deathstrike? I think is his name or Deadshot, yeah, something, like something like that. There's a so many characters named very similarly, but he's got that long gray hair. And I was just like, man, that would be, that's, that's a perfect casting. He's got the accent down. He could deliver some of those snarky lines in such a way that, you know, would just be awesome. Who did you choose? It's a good casting. I picked Lucas black. Um, Lucas black uh, plays a recurring character. I think his name is Sean in the fast and the furious movies. Um, I can't remember what I know him from, but he's got a very genuine Southern accent. Um, and he kind of is around that age that I think 13 is in my brain. Okay. Um, yeah. So look him up. L U C A S Lucas black. Looks like he was um, in, has been in, in CIS new Orleans. Things. Yeah. 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 That's, I think that's his current, most current work is gotcha. in CIS. 
So not like a huge star, but he could pull that. I think the accent was the thing I got hung up on most. Yeah, that makes sense because that's definitely like his most defining character trait. Yeah, yeah. Most Trunks character. jumps in when uh, Android 13 says, I was programmed to kill your ass. Uh, Trunks says, well, you're just a slave in a pond with no free will. And this is all in the English. Uh, and 13 says, free will, war, segregation, hatred. Is that what you did with your free will? Don't lecture me with your $30 haircut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Goku <which> dies. It's <laughs> like, awesome. The dollar isn't even the mo- like the currency in Dragon Ball World. It's Zenny. So it's Zenny, like, yeah. It's such, yeah, it's such a weird translation thing there, I guess. Well, and what's really cool about his character design, too, that I, I haven't mentioned yet, is the fact that like he, he when his hat comes off, he doesn't have one of those glass domes. Like most of the other androids that wear hats have the hats to protect the domes or at least cover them up. In this case, though, he's, he just looks normal, which I thought was really cool. He's also apparently the only android that has two red ribbon army symbols. He's got one on his hat and one on his vest. Hmm. I, well, yeah, I'd, I'd mentioned that there were two. I didn't know he was the only one that had two, though. Yeah, but. everyone else typically just has one somewhere. That makes some sense. Redundancies, you know, they're good, but sometimes yeah. they're just extra. <laughs> well, Krillin and Gohan uh, show up to the scene, and it's funny because Krillin is like, hey, let's not, like, do anything. Like, we're here, but let's just hold off, because I think this is where he says that they wouldn't last more than 10 seconds. And, yeah, yeah uh, he gives himself a little bit more, uh, a little bit more grace here, because earlier it was two seconds, and now he's like... Okay, maybe ten. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. he's he's uh, given his own abilities a, a higher estimation in this scene. I kind of like the fact though that we're hitting that point where Krillin gets it. You know what I mean? Like Yamcha figured this out forever ago. Krillin's starting to figure it out, and thank God Oolong didn't come along because it feels like he should have. He's in all the other movies. Why? why he should have gone up there with Gohan and Krillin. Okay, so with regards to Krillin figuring things out, one of my favorite things about Krillin is that he's in the show. In Dragon Ball Super, he knows that he's outclassed, and yet he continues to fight when he has to. Oh, yeah. So, so I mean, even in this movie, he knows that he's outclassed uh, against either uh, 14 or 15, and certainly 13, especially when he absorbs the other two and becomes Super 13. But when he has to, he still intervenes. He always is the guy that's just like, I know I can't win on my own. I'm not powerful enough. Everybody is outclassed as far as I'm, or, you know, is, is leagues above where I am, but I will always do all that I can. And that makes Krill one of the, my favorite characters in Dragon Ball Z. He's just a scrappy, good dude. Totally. And I love what they've done with him in super where they've made it further than that. And it's like, oh yeah, he's also an incredible tactician. Like he knows how to read a fight, which is so true. Like, wasn't it when he, when they, Goku uh, went and, and fought against him when, uh, when he was picking him for the tournament of power Yeah, and was like super impressed with Krillin and he should be like Krillin is easily the strongest human being. Oh, hands um, down. Yeah. You know, and, and he, he's not a dummy. And, and I really like that super really emphasized that particular point for him. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and there's there's a great scene here, too, where, like, there's some back and forth between Goku and 13 who are arguing over the fact that, you know, Goku doesn't gonna doesn't want people to die. And, of course, so they start fighting. But we switch back over to Krillin, who is, like, restraining Gohan from going to help his dad. And he lets go of Gohan and, like, slides back. And it's funny because he falls and hits his head. And a few moments later, we see him, like, nursing this giant swelling yeah. of his head. <laughs> yeah. I like to, right before that scene, 13 in the English has this weird conversation with Goku where he's like, number 13, that's your unlucky number. But not for any superstitious reason, but because of me, I'm big 13. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, my God, this is so dumb. And he calls Goku City Boy. 
which, which is, is so like not even remotely true of Goku. <laughs> which <laughs> makes you have to wonder, like, what does he think he knows about Goku? You know, like, what has been programmed to tell him what Goku is yeah. if he thinks he's a city boy? I think that in Z, we find out that, like, Gohan has to fly hundreds of miles to get to Orange City High School or Satan City High School, whatever they ended up oh, calling yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they live, um, like, out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. there. I mean, I think that he calls Goku City exclusively because in the English he has that deep country accent where he he sounds like he's the farmer you know that lives yeah, yeah. R- you know rurally um but yeah we, we we catch up 14 and 15 are just taking it to trunks um oh man right before this I thought that this is how the movie could have ended so 13 blasts Goku backwards and beneath the ice like into water and he joins him down there and I was like, all you have to do is keep him here, dude. Like, and you win because you're a robot. You don't need to breathe. But he right. does. So like, but he blasts Goku up and out of the water. I'm like, man, come on. Like, t- play to your strengths. You don't have to breathe. And he does. That, that could have ended the whole fight right there. Or at least force Goku's hand earlier um, by just grappling him and being like, you know, your move, dude. Um, but he doesn't. Well, it's kind uh, of the but, same thing with Say- uh, uh, not Saiyan, but uh, Frieza and also Cooler. Like, they could have just thrown Goku into space. They had to have known yeah. that Saiyans can't breathe in space. Right. Of all the yeah. villains, the two of them had to have known that they couldn't breathe in space. Well, 14 to 15 bury uh, trunks uh, underneath some ice. Um, Goku ends up popping out of his ice and throwing a big piece at 13, which I thought was silly. But also, like in the Japanese, it's explained that the androids have all of Goku's moves programmed. And they say that to Goku as kind of like a, anything you can do, we'll know about. And so I'm like... I guess Goku was just like, well, do they know I can throw big pieces of ice? I bet not. <laughs> Let's try that. Um, that's what I suspect anyway. I love in, in the English version too, 13 responds with like, dang it, boy, shoot. How'd you survive that? Like just the way yeah. that he says everything <laughs> is so over the top. Oh man. Then we get the scene where Trunks emerges from the ice and he makes it all float like the rocks that we talked about in yeah. the last episode. Yeah. Before just sending all the boulder, uh, boulders at the pair and, and then attacking with a sword, which like 14 neutralizes with a couple of fingers um and then it gets kind of silly because uh trunks jumps back as he's about to get punched and he fires a beam at 14 14 has the sword slices the beam in half has trunk dead dead to right with a sword but doesn't just slice him with the sword like i'm like dude you've got the sword like do the thing with that sword's doing just cut him cut him up you could have ended trunks right there i don't know that these androids could end trunks and i say that because they're programmed to kill goku they don't care about anybody else like they they said that they would take out the rest, but if their programming was maybe early on, it would make sense that they can't deviate from that prime directive, you know? Yeah, I guess. But like you said, they were they they explicitly said if you get between us and Goku, which Trunks explicitly said he would do, I won't let you lay a hand on Goku. Yeah, maybe that's fair. Your secondary fair. programming goes okay. If we if our primary programming says that we have to kill Goku. And you're saying that in order to kill Goku, we've got to kill you. Then, then obviously, Prime Directive is now kill you, so that we can do um, killing the killing Goku bit. That's fair. Well, until Fifteen dies, they do start up this kind of running gag here, where he falls through the snow, and I, that cracks me up because out of all of them, he should be the lightest. He should be the last one falling through the snow. I guess he's still made of metal and machine components, though. Fair. Well, we switch back over to 13 and Goku, who are fighting pretty crazily. Like, 13 is sending these death beams at Goku. Goku tries to grapple him, but, I mean, it's totally nuts because, like, this fighting is just getting to be to the point where it's, like, no one can really keep up, if that makes sense. Like, they... 
these androids are just stupid powerful. Yeah, um, 13 sends what is called the SS Deadly Bomber at Goku, which he explains has enough power to blow up half the planet. And uh, Goku is just going to catch it with his hands. And 13's just like, he's plum loco if he's meaning to catch that with his hands. Yeah, yeah. But this this beam pushes Goku back, um, but it gets blasted skyward by another beam that comes out of nowhere from beneath it. And then we have, in this movie, the coolest intro. Vegeta usurps Piccolo's most badass entrance in this particular movie because the glacier behind Goku splits in half uh, vertically and uh, parts, and it's, for some reason, emitting all of this purple light. And then Vegeta's just floating there, and it looks so cool. So he takes Piccolo's crown in this movie for best entrance. And Piccolo's entrance isn't bad, but it ain't Vegeta cool in this movie. It's not, but Piccolo's interest in the in, intro in this movie cracks me up. Oh, uh, yeah, it is pretty great. And Vegeta's first line is like, let me be clear. I didn't come here out of the goodness of my heart. I just want my shot at destroying you. And uh, in the Japanese, he says, did you think I'd let some wind-up dolls kill Kakarot? Which is way better than what the English said. Yeah, in the English, I think he says, no junkyard robot trash is going to take that chance away from me. Right. <laughs> so, man, yeah. And then, it, like, I'm pretty sure he goes after 15, who is falling through the snow again. Like, this happens two times in a row, because he, like, 15 immediately tries to take on Vegeta. 13 goes right after Goku as well. And, like, the whole time he's fighting Goku, he's saying crazy stuff like, hee-haw! Like, it's great. Uh, but he sends, <laughs> he sends Goku into a glacier, Goku recovers and he's telling 13 like, hey, look, you're leading your own path to your own destruction. Like, you got to stop this now. Like, it's Goku. He keeps trying to give 13 a chance, which I think is a little much at this point. Like, none of the androids, I can't, I don't think 16 was in this, this generation or this dimension in my, my head canon for some reason. So none of the androids have like befriended Goku at this point. He should know that there's nothing he can do about this. But anyways, we, we get back over to Trunks. He's put his sword away, and he is, like, absolutely getting wrecked by uh, 14. It doesn't seem like he's got much of a chance. We see 15 attacking Vegeta. Vegeta grapples him and starts, like, powering up. And when he does this, it actually busts 15's glasses and then sends his hat flying off. We see the little glass dome and everything, which is pretty cool. Vegeta powers up and goes Super Saiyan. Trunks is, like, up against a wall. He's getting beat up by 14, and then he decides to power up. We go back over to Goku, who's getting tossed around like a rag doll, but then he also goes Super Saiyan. And we're treated to this really cool scene of, of the three of them in the distance, like all powered up, these three pillars of light, and Krillin and Gohan just getting to see that from the, the sidelines. It's a pretty cool scene. So I kind of loved, too, that when 15 is taking it to Vegeta, he ends up riding him like a snowboard at one point um, before <laughs> Vegeta goes Super Saiyan. That was just a funny visual. Um, and then I was I was torn about Vegeta being the first one to go Super Saiyan because part of me thinks that that makes all of the sense. And then the other part of me thinks that I was surprised that he was the first one to go because of pride. Um, you would think that the way that Vegeta thinks about pride and battle that he wouldn't want to be the first as if showing like, I, okay, I'm being outclassed. So I've got to power up first. So oh, see, did I didn't you, see it that way at all. The way that I saw it was he was showing that by powering up, he could take out 14 or sorry, 15 alone. He didn't even attack 15. He was just powering up with him near and it killed 15 almost. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know if I, if I like that he was the first one or not because of the way that his pride works. Honestly, you know? I'm surprised it just took them as long as it did to go Super Saiyan. They were getting their butts handed to them for a solid 20 minutes easily. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, but then Vegeta and Trunks definitely have the upper hand now against 14 and 15. Um, Krillin, there's this silly scene where Krillin has his face burned by like a rogue blast. Yeah. Um, and then there's also this scene where Goku has a key ball in his hand and 13 shoots one at him and Goku does the dodgeball move where he like hits the ball away with his ball. Um, and it's like, you know, legal, you're not hit technically. <laughs> um, it's pretty great. And the whole time this is all happening, we see like these random shots of the com- the supercomputer, like quote unquote, analyzing the situation. Yeah, I had in my notes that uh, Giro or the computer is kind of like the androids is game shark, because at one point in the fight between Goku and 13 earlier, there's a scene that kind of suggests that the computer tells 13 when to do a certain move to land a hit against Goku, yeah. given his fighting style. So it was just like cheat cheat codes or game shark is what that uh, computer was a 13 at least seems to be kind of linked back to that supercomputer somehow because i don't think it's communicating with 14 and 15 only 13 no it is any is anytime it... that the 14 and 15 their little eyes are doing all the little calculating bits it's them connected to the computer that's fair you know, i wonder if there was a moment like visual i wonder if there was a moment where the computer was like all right y'all aren't good enough i'm sitting 13 yeah focusing i yeah. guess yeah um Gohan ends up firing a beam at 13, who fires a bigger beam back, um, but a yellow beam from beneath the ice blasts it out of the way, saving Gohan, and Piccolo erupts, and he grabs 13's ankles, and his entrance line is terrible, because in English it's just, hey, what's up? I thought that was ridiculous, (laughs) like, Goku's like, Piccolo, hey, what's up? (laughs) Yeah, In in the Japanese it's even worse, it's just, yo, son. (laughs) <laughs> that's all it is yeah they're too comfortable um, and they could have made now. this entrance a hundred times better if they had let uh the demon arms come up out of the ice and grab 13's ankle all oh, this that been cool. out, use the demon arms i think this may be the first movie a, a that rule. we don't have the demon arms in a while at least it might be and it makes me sad yeah man that would have that would have been a point five on the seven scale for me you know yeah, when Piccolo joins the fray, uh, we get dramatic flybys from both Vegeta and Trunks versus their respective flows, uh, foes. Rather, uh, Vegeta takes 15's head off, and then Trunks slices 14 in two. And there's even like this, like he holds his pose as 14 charges back uh, towards him before he's just blown to bits, and they both drop out of Super Saiyan for the moment. Yeah, it's that like super delayed uh, scene where they, you know, something happens, and then 10 seconds later, they both explode. Uh, but they both turn back into normal Saiyans. They meet up with Goku. Uh, 13 is actually expressing some like happiness about the fact that 14 and 15 have been destroyed. And we get this scene where he absorbs their chips and like their batteries. And then he just starts transforming into this insanely huge monster of a, an individual, like blue skin, bright red hair. It's spiked up like a Super Saiyan's hair would be. Um, and like his, his shirt splits in two or like his vest splits in two and he's just got his pants on. It's pretty crazy. Like they actually show his boots and they're undone. Like the the first like four or five loops in his boots are undone, I guess. So that way his feet could expand. Like he gets massive here. He does. Um, he definitely hulks out. He even gets this cool, like solid yellow eyes visual, which is cool. Um, it, I remember when I first started playing doc and this was, the first character I remember Doc and Awakening from like uh, Android 13 into Super Android 13, where there was like a transformation that you had to do with metals. Um, that was my most recent exposure to Super Android 13 some seven years ago now. <laughs> so uh, Vegeta goes Super Saiyan and rushes right in and is just wailing on Super 13's chest doing 
absolutely nothing. And so 13 grabs him, and in the English he says, this is the dive of death. And he just drops uh, Vegeta into the snow. Trunks tries to stop him, but just gets blasted into unconsciousness with a flick of the wrist, basically, from Super 13. Um, and then 13 finishes Vegeta off with a beam, sending him crashing into Krillin below. Yeah, and then for some reason, like, the dumbest amount of fighting ensues here where Piccolo actually flies past Goku to try to... I, get, I don't know why they're not just all hitting him at once. This seems like the most obvious thing to do. But they're doing the typical Z-Fighter thing where they each take a few hits to see if they can take him on one-on-one. Piccolo flies past Goku. He gets absolutely wrecked. Goku's turn. He powers up. He goes in. And literally, like, 13 grabs him by the foot like legs spread in the air and just punches him in the crotch as hard as he can and then slams him into the ground. And like Goku's able to kind of dodge one more attack, but 13 grabs him and just throws him into this massive ravine. Like he actually depowers and he's just a regular Saiyan. He's in the ground and you can hear Goku asking for help, which is like a first thing time ever, I feel like. Uh, so yeah. it's pretty brutal, man. He's screaming like as we cut to like people lying down in various states of disrepair and you can hear Goku screaming in the distance. And then we get this crazy scene where like 13, Super 13 now, jumps down into this ravine where Goku is and he blasts Goku back. And then he's running alongside of this uh, like in flight Goku who's been blasted backwards. He's running beside him and just continuing to beat him while he's flying backwards from his initial volley. Yeah. Which I thought was super cool. It was um, like juggling it, Goku, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, there's they, they create some distance in three different times. Goku stands up and three different times he's blasted back down. But then he blasts. Goku's shirt clean off, and you know what that means. It always means the same thing in Dragon Ball movies, Dragon Ball Z movies. It means that things are about to get real. Yeah. Right? Like, Goku's about to get real. Whatever the thing that Goku's going to do to win this fight, it's happening now because you can see his nipples. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> that's the rule for Dragon Ball movies. Is if you can see Goku's nips, like, things are about to get serious. I got to admit, though, like, if you don't know a lot about the Dragon Ball Z universe, if you're just watching this film, which would be kind of crazy, but if you were... You would get legitimately concerned for Goku at this point because he's getting wrecked. Like it looks like a bad situation for him, uh, but he's he's basically been key blasted down into into the water. We switch back over to Krillin and Grohan who are worried that Goku's going to drown. So like Krillin's trying to do the thing you're talking about. He steps up to the plate. He's going to go and attack uh, Super Android 13, but he slips on the ice and is it just goes right past. Yeah, it's him. pretty great. Uh, yeah, it's it's nuts. He does recover and manages to blast 13, who in the English at least turns around. In the Japanese, he says nothing. Yeah. He, I don't, I'm, I think I he says something like, like mosquitoes. He doesn't say, yeah, in the English, he says mosquitoes. But I think in the Japanese, I don't think once he transforms, he says literally anything. Like yeah. maybe a, a word or two. Um, but now you've got everybody lying in a state of disrepair except Gohan, um, who does manage to kind of save Krillin's life by diverting a, a blast with a Masenko. Um, Goku comes to underwater though, regains consciousness. And he's, this is a really cool, there are some really neat visuals at the end of this as Goku is, uh, creating this spirit bomb. Totally. Uh, the first one is he's upside down. So like feet towards the surface of the water, hands pointed down towards the, uh, you know, the floor of this sea or ocean or lake or whatever. And he starts, uh, asking for the world to lend him his energy and, uh, begins gathering it upside down and submerged, which is cool. 
Um, 13 is closing the ground on Gohan, and you see Goku emerge from behind them with his hands up in the air and the spirit bomb coalescing above him. Uh, and 13, in the English at least, says, oh, I know all about your spirit bomb, but you need time to, you know, what, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say that in the Japanese. He just turns, grunts, and then throws a beam at Goku. But Gohan takes the blast that was meant for his dad to buy him time. And then everybody else on the scene kind of just understands the tactic there. Buy Goku some time so he can do the spirit bomb thing. Yeah, it's like we get like Piccolo wakes up, then Vegeta wakes up and tries to stop 13. Uh, according to him, though, it's because Kakarot's his, right? Like he wants to take him out. This is freaking brutal, though, because 13 grabs Vegeta and literally just breaks his back like Bane breaks Batman, like snaps it over his knees. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And then Trunk shoots him with a key blast. And he has this kind of silly moment where he's like, I'm from 20 years in the future and you're not there. That means you die today. Like, okay, Charles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that, that that, if that line were tighter, it would have been really good. It would have been, but it was just so. Yeah. Yeah. They they over explain it. So the full line in English is my name is Trunks. I came here from 20 years in the future. You know what's funny about the future? You're nowhere to be seen. You're not in the future because you die right here and now today. And I was like, all you had to do was, you know, what's funny about the future. You're not in it. And yeah. that would have been way better of a line. Trunks um, explaining logic him. to a computer. Yeah, it's him. <laughs> it's him explaining his own joke, kind of, you know, it's like ridiculous. a joke loses its punch when you have to explain it. And he did the equivalent of that with this. What could have been a really cool line? It could have been. Um, but yeah, but, but dude, it, he gets wrecked immediately. Like <laughs> he had no chance. He, he goes up to 13 who just breaks his sword. Like, I guess I was reading online that 13's body now is made out of adamantine. And so when the sword tries to, you know, or when Trunks tries to hit him with the sword, it's just absolutely shatters. And then he just key blasts the crap out of Trunks face, sending him flying. Yeah. Trunks gets reduced to sketch. I mean, he's, he's not killed, but that's the visual that you're he given. Should have been, they needed to have had to wish Trunks back at the end of this movie. <laughs> he does get the crap kicked out of him by, I think literally all of the androids at some point were just beating the crap out of him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but we go back over to the supercomputer who is warning 13. He says that, you know, Goku needs more time, something he doesn't have. And he starts to power up this blast. That's when Piccolo shows up, tries to suplex him. It like diverts this blast, which they're lucky it wasn't pointed down at the earth, really. Uh, but Piccolo is not actually able to, to suplex him. Like this guy stands back up, throws Piccolo on the ground, is stomping on his head. And then things get kind of strange because, and I feel like it's explained better in the Japanese version, but Goku transforms into a Super Saiyan and he's got the spirit bomb up in the sky and Krillin makes this weird comment in the English version that's like, oh, he's Super Saiyan. That's how you know he's pure, even though he's a Super Saiyan. Um, and he does this weird thing where Goku absorbs the the spirit bomb. like, And it's not like something we've ever seen in the show or as far as I'm aware, the manga. But the way that the Japanese dub explains it is that basically Goku in Super Saiyan form, because that's a rage-filled form, he couldn't wield the spirit bomb. So in order to kind of like quick hack around that, he just absorbs the energy himself and becomes the spirit bomb. Which we have some precedent for, even in the movies, of Goku being able to absorb or, or receive energy from other people. Right. Uh, like, remember against Lord Slug, Piccolo threw the last bit of his energy at him. You know, yeah, he's able yeah. to take it. So there is a little bit of precedent for that. There's even a Dock and uh, Battle card that's an LR called Miracle Making Super Saiyan, Super Saiyan Goku. 
um, where it's this, it's him absorbing the spirit bomb, um, which is pretty cool. I think he's a super Saiyan leader. Um, but <laughs> this is when I finished watching this movie the first time I, I texted, uh, I texted Adam a couple of things about it. And I said, if, if we were naming these episodes of Kyo cinema, like we did, uh, the AMP, then we might call this one, the one where the Z fighters radically expedite global warming because so many times and here, especially glaciers are just melted. I mean, just reduced to nothing. And so when Goku absorbs this, uh, this key from the spirit bomb, uh, I have in my notes that the giant yellow ball melts all of the surrounding ice, except mm-hmm. for the bit that 13 is standing on. But even that eventually blows. And then at the end of this movie, this once like Arctic landscape is just a small island of ice floating in what used to be an Arctic landscape. Yeah. So they just uh, we're worried about, you know, glaciers melting and moving a few feet in a year. And Goku and the Z fighters just they they turn an Arctic landscape into a new sea, basically. They'll use the Dragon Balls to fix it. They're not worried about global warming. That's true. Can you, uh, hey, Shinron, can you fix that whole global warming thing? You right. know, we, we used to have, uh, you know, several centuries before uh, resources became scarce and we all died. But now it's like next week, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, 13 is continuing to try to attack and kill Goku at this point, even though everything around him is totally decimated. And you mentioned the uh, the like icebergs and everything melting. Thirteen himself just starts deteriorating. Like as he's punching thirteen, it as thirteen is punching Goku, his hands are just like falling apart. And then Goku just comes out of nowhere and it absolutely wrecks thirteen with a punch right through the chest. And then thirteen just kind of like explodes. <laughs> and then Goku's screaming in this really funny, funnily drawn way. Like he looks really strange in these two scenes that they reuse. I thought it just looked really weird to me, but he's screaming. And I have it in my notes that it's it's Goku's angriest angry face. Yeah, like he looks so contorted, uh, but maybe that's all the power from the spirit bomb. I don't know. And then, like, for some reason, the supercomputer shuts off. I, yeah. I don't know why. That seemed real dumb. Yeah, like, I, I didn't mean, like that. I would have liked it if it had also exploded because it makes sense if it was tied to 13 somehow. Maybe it had like a frequency overload or something, but no, nah, it just turned off. Yeah, that doesn't go explained. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Even if there was, I mean, there obviously was a connection because they were able to communicate, but I don't know that there should have been any kind of power connection. And even, it doesn't matter the version, there's not an explanation. It's just that one just powers down for some reason. Um, It just gives up. It's like, oh, I can't do this. We can't kill Goku. All drat. And then that's it. Um, Then you have them again adrift on this island of ice, um, which more scientists baffled, world saved um, from imminent threat, but also doomed because of global warming. Um, (laughs) Everyone's unconscious. Gokhan comes to and he sees his dad just kind of watching over them. And he's just like, what's up, dad? And Goku says, me. And that was dumb. Yeah. But it was there. But they make up for it because they transition this next scene with like the nurse's butt. Like she is the transition scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a screen full of nurses' ass. Yeah. I remember that. And then this is where like Chi Chi is saying, like, oh wow, I'm surprised you're all alive. And it's there's some kind of ribbing here on Krillin because they're like, Hey, you actually hit that guy, didn't you? And it's it's ridiculous too, because Goku seems to be relatively okay. I mean, he's standing there. The other two, Krillin and uh Gohan are literally like completely bandaged up and Chi Chi's making a joke about how he's going to have to go back to to summer school soon. And Gohan's like, well, nobody mentioned Sensu beans. She's standing right there, of course. 
But the best right, part of right. all of this, like we transition over to Piccolo and Vegeta and they break the fourth wall. Piccolo is like, you know, is it over yet? And Vegeta says, not until the fish jumps. And then the little fish jumps and credits roll. But that means that Chris yeah. Sabat was talking to himself. It does, because uh, he says, not until the fish jumps. And when the fish jumps, Vegeta goes, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is it is pretty great. In the Japanese, they're just sitting there quietly. <laughs> they're both just pouting. Uh, I would assume that Piccolo is pouting because there are no waterfalls in the immediate vicinity. And that's where he likes to be at the end of movies. Um, Vegeta pouting, I guess, because he didn't he didn't win, but he got what he wanted, which is Goku didn't die. So what's he what's he upset about? I don't know. Maybe he's. I have no idea. <laughs> so, how would Super Android 13 be different if it was an arc? Uh, an arc of the television show instead of a 45 minute long movie? Do you have any uh, thoughts on that particular question this, this week? Yeah, I did. I was thinking about this, and I feel like the biggest difference we would see is that these androids would be wanting to try to kill Goku before 16, 17, and 18. So we would see more of a competition between these like six androids. Uh, and I feel like that could be Ooh, really cool because like all of them want to be the favorite in Dr. Jero's eyes to some extent, you know, so maybe they're wanting to kill Goku for him and, and go back home and have dad proud of them or whatever. It would have been kind of neat to see almost like the android race to, to kill Goku, you know, that, that could have been fun. Uh, I think it would have lent more forms to sell. Like, can you imagine if, perfect cell absorb yeah. super android 13 that would have been pretty cool it would have been even cooler too if one of those androids had ended up competing in the cell tournament like if super android 13 and cell fought off in some kind of weird like if i kill you then i get to kill goku you know that would have been kind of neat okay which of these androids becomes goku's friend uh i don't think any of them would really no i, mean, I don't you know 16 was 17 an and 18 both do well, I mm, 16 kind of does. 16 kind of does. Yeah, I guess I didn't consider that. The only reason I feel like 17 and 18 are able to is because they're not purely programmed like androids. They're cyborgs and they're kind of wish to be human. So like it would have gotten rid of any weird coding they had. But then it's kind of retro explained because they still have their batteries and super. It's weird. Well, 16 was purely mechanical. He was not a human before. But I think he bridged and, the gap between what would have been 13, 14, and 15 and 17 and 18, where like he, he may have been completely robotic, but he had better AI. Well, I mean, his, his explicit programming was kill Goku. Right. And, and he managed to shift his goals later on. Um, He's got machine learning, man. That's what I'm saying. He's got a little yeah. bit better programming. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, that was my biggest thing I was thinking about. This is like, okay, if this were an arc, one of them would be friends with Goku. <laughs> one of them would survive. Um, I do like the cell absorption theory that you have too. That would be really interesting. Um, what different, <laughs> oh, please God, cell with a mullet because of absorbing just oh, straight right. regular 13. What if he only got oh, the God, accent? Oh God, I would pay. Like, that's all he absorbed. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no power increase. He just gets an accent. <laughs> God, I would pay to see platinum blonde mullet cell. Please, God, if we have any artists uh, that are listening, make that happen just for me that would be so good um i thought that this would be fun too so <laughs> adam and i w before we record we're always like okay as, at this point for the last few movies before we record we say okay so what number did you come up with for the rat at scale um like what power level did you land on and we have to discuss this for 10 and 15 20 minutes looking at all of all these different sources all over the internet but a couple movies ago we got to the point where numbers are 
asinine. They make no sense. Doesn't matter where you look. Um, everybody thinks that they're right, but nobody has the same answer. Um, and so we were doing the same thing for Super Android 13 tonight. And I was just like, you know what? This this is this might just be the end of the Raditz scale. It just becomes too unwieldy at this point. Um, so we're not going to do that number. And I think that that's okay to let go of um, because we, we would throw all this time into trying to figure out a number that made some sense, at least to us and probably to nobody else, because that's how power levels work on the internet. Um, and then deliver it in five seconds and move on. So tonight in place of the Raditz scale, what I thought I would do is talk through the Red Ribbon Army androids um, that we've seen in the show, because all of them are numbered and some of them we have some background information on and others that we don't. So we've already talked about 16, 17, and 18. Those are the, uh, the, the androids from the Android saga of Dragon Ball Z. 16, big hulky man, a uh, little orange mohawk, loves the color green and birds. Uh, then you have 17 and 18 who were human siblings uh, that were turned into cyborgs. 17 being the male, the, the mnemonic that I came up for when I was a teenager for distinguishing and remembering which one was the boy and which one was the girl was because I would say Android Bay teen um, because she was a pretty blonde girl. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, we, we get all the way up in Z numbered to Android 20, mm -hmm. which implies that they were 19 ahead of him. Now we see 16 through 20 in the show. So let's see what we know about Androids 1 through 15 and any beyond. Um, so androids, this is new information to me. I just found this out while I was researching. The only other android that I knew of prior to these was Android 8 or Aider. He's the Frankenstein-looking yep. uh, android from Dragon Ball. Do they consider uh, is it General Tao, do they consider him one of the first androids? Because he's kind of like that first robotic villain that we find after Goku blows his main body away, I guess. So he is a cyborg. I can't remember if he was made a cyborg by a red ribbon, though. I thought and, he and this was. Is okay. He might, he might have. Um, but this is explicitly a number or the, the red ribbon androids. robots. Gotcha. So yeah, androids. So one through seven are just considered a failure and destroyed. That's all that the wiki say. Android eight, we talked about. Android nine is apparently in Dragon Ball Online. Um, and is a replica of, of Commander Red, which is a Dragon Ball character, I believe. Yes. Um, 10 through 12, also just considered a failure and destroyed. Um, 13, 14, and 15, we had exposure to in this movie. 16 through 20 in the anime. Android 21 comes around with um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z, and is this uh, bio-android kind of like Cell, kind of a mixture of like... Um, organic cells and also machinery. And then they actually go, um, so 21 and then you skip a, li a little bit, 25, 26, 33, 44, 55, and 76 are all in either Dragon Ball Fusions or Dragon Ball Heroes. And then you have Android 8000 and Android 19000. What? Um, yeah. I've never heard of also, these. I know. Uh, there's, it's just search for them, and I, I bet you'll end up on DragonBall.fandom.com. They're both in Dragon Ball Online as well. Um, then we have in the new movie coming out, we've got some new ones, Gamma One and Two, that are going to be in Dragon Ball Super Colon Superhero. Um, then in earlier 
Dragon Ball series, we had Major Metallotron, who was Red Ribbon Army, Dr. Zero, of course. Um, there were some clones that pop up at different points in Dragon Ball fighters um, that are also androids. You've got the bio androids like Cell and Cell Juniors that are also Red Ribbon products of Jiro. Um, Super 17 would also, I think, fall up underneath this category um, as a fused android. There's a handful of those on this uh, website as well. Um, Arale Noramaki, of course, is a is an android. She's she be a robot, um, and we we've known that. Is she red um, ribbon? Though? In... I didn't realize she was red ribbon. I thought that was like a no no. Series... This is just other androids okay, okay. now. Yeah. Um, then we have yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm meant to transition, but I didn't. Uh, in the movies, we've seen Doctor Cochin and Doctor Wheelo, mm-hmm. um, both of whom were robotic in some way, shape, or form, or cyborg. Is that what Wheelio was? Because he had the brain. And robot body. I think, I think Cochin was cyborg. Yeah, Cochin yeah. was totally. I think Cochin was like s- robotic, straight though. up. Yeah. Like he got trans. Yeah, um, Tao is listed at, uh, here under cyborgs. Uh, Cacao was somebody that we saw in Tree of Might. He was the jet-looking weird dude, I believe. Um, Frieza takes a turn being uh, partly robotic. Cooler, of course, we talked about in our last movie. I believe also um, pulls a little bit of a stint as a robot. Um, it goes on and on. There's there's a lot, it turns out. I mean, this this webpage is super long. <laughs> it even gets into the different types of uh, androids. So you have like the infinite energy kind, and then you have the energy absorption kind. And then you get like biotech, and then you get fully mechanical and all sorts That's of stuff. That's really but cool. That's a cool breakdown. Yeah, I did not realize that the android lore was so deep in Dragon Ball until I was reading up for this movie. Apparently it's a thing. There seems to be a lot more than I was aware of. Did you know that 15 actually kind of made a brief appearance in the show? Uh, there's that filler saga uh, named, I think it's called the Other World Saga, where it's got like Pecan, I think that's how you say his name, or Pycon. Oh, yeah, Pycon. Uh, he is actually, so Andrew 15 is in the background in the audience in a lot of those episodes. He just has a slightly different color scheme, and I thought that was really interesting. I did not know that. Um, Holler Minutes is uh, 1.21 minutes. Uh, so I think that puts it in the top five, but not a whole bunch of shouting in this one. Um, I mean, really, if you watch the Japanese version, man, I mean, it is it is shocking. I feel like they could have fit the script on two pages. Um, how little talking there is in the Japanese oh, version of like English, especially in this movie. No plot in the Japanese one at all. It's just a fighting movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. Oh, like, yeah. That's, I'm all right with that. Um, so that leaves us with just the rating um, for this particular movie. So, Adam, what did you think of Super Android 13? Ooh, so this one, um, you know, a lot of times when we start talking about the movies that we're reviewing, my opinion of them changes as we talk. Mine has not changed at all from this one. I'm still going to give it a 6.5. I freaking love this Whoa. movie. I know people hate this movie online, apparently, but I loved it. Like from the moment it started to the moment it ended. Yeah, except for the computer shutting down. I was like, this is the perfect Dragon Ball Z movie. So much action. Three Super Saiyans. Trunks is in it. Like, awesome villain with a crazy, like, especially the English version. Like, just all of his whips. I freaking love this movie, man. From the moment it started, I was like, I kept telling my wife, this movie's badass. Like, this movie's so badass. There's there's even moments in it where you feel bad for Goku for getting the crap beat out of him. Like, I never feel like he's going to lose. But in this movie, there are times where you feel like it's possible. I, I dig this movie hardcore. 
6.5 is the highest rating either one of us has given anything so far. I, well, I think we gave... 6.5. I think we gave... Uh, or I thought that I gave I'm one of the live him, movies 6.5, but I guess maybe not. I, Six. I nope. have enjoyed this movie more than any of the other movies so far. I, I really like this one. Wow. Okay, so I am, I am of the, a similar opinion. Um, the internet te- seems to want to take a big dump on this movie. I enjoyed it. I thought that it was fun. I thought the fights were good. This has some of the best animation that we've seen to date. Totally. I thought transformation was a little strange, but the end result is super awesome, and I think, feel like that's hard to argue. Um, you get to see all, you know, all three at the time, Super Saiyans in action. It's, there was, man, the the prettiest thing i need to find a shot of this or screen cap it myself somehow but i want my desktop background now to be goku when he's standing upright over top of the water with his arms up in the air and that water is doing the cool ripply effect and it has light reflecting off of it it was so pretty there's a decent balance of humor that didn't rely too heavily upon oolong um, like I said, the fights were pretty good, even though they were short by necessity it being a 45 minute long movie. I'm giving this a 5.5, which is my second highest rating that I've given anything. I think the only thing I've rated higher is Cooler's Revenge and History of Bardock. And I, I do feel like I like both of them better than Super Android 13, but it is still a good movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could definitely see myself watching this for the sheer pleasure of it in the future in a way that most of these movies, I wouldn't be able to say the same. I agree. Like the fight sequences alone in this are incredible. The animation for them are just, I mean, just insane. They look so good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I I will be surprised if anything else uh, gets higher than that. I don't know that I'll give any of the movies a seven, Uh, but I think I know for at least a fact that there are going to be two more that I give probably a 6.5. Uh, but this one definitely tops it for me, man. I, I really enjoyed this one. Interesting. Well, you know, internet opinions be damned. We liked Super Android 13. Um, so next time we have a Kyo Cinema episode, we are not going to move straight into the next Dragon Ball Z movie. Instead, we are going to be visiting Dragon Ball Z colon the history of Trunks, which is a uh, kind of a short, I'm pretty sure it's a shorter deal. It is a shorter deal, but we had also talked about capturing maybe one of the live action renditions that like some of the YouTubers have done of this. There are a few out there, so I'll be sure to include links to the one that we decide to watch uh, in the episode description. That way you can watch along before we talk about it, because uh, those looked really good. Yes, um, and, or the history of Trunks is beloved by the majority of the fan base, I would suspect. Um, I might even go so far as to include a link in that episode of the All Systems Goku guys covering it, because it is a delight listening to them talk about it. The guys at um, Eric Hates Dragon Ball Z also did a special on the history of Trunks that is 100% worth the listen. It is great, and I'm excited to watch it, even though I might be a little bit more excited to finally get to the first Broly movie, which is going to be the thing we cover after History of Trunks. That I'm looking forward to for different reasons, but... That's what's gonna we're gonna be covering for Kyo Cinema next time. So hunt down a copy of the History of Trunks. Pay attention to the uh, the description of this episode so that Adam can point you in the direction of the uh, live action fan made stuff we will also be talking about during that episode. And tune in in two weeks for the next episode of Kyo Cinema. And of course, you can catch us for uh, Almighty coverage on the Almighty podcast next Monday. Yes, and we will see you in two weeks. See you guys. Thank you.